on the mountain to sacrifice him, something happened that was earth-shattering because it was forecasting something stupendous. The human race was going to be set free from the prison of sin and death. Because as we'll see in Genesis chapter 22 this morning, day three sets us free. Day three sets us free. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to begin in verse 1. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it says there in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. After these things, what are these things that happened prior to this? Well, we see that God had come and made promises to Abraham. He said, you're going to have a promised son. He said, you're going to have a son from Sarah. But Sarah was an old woman. She was a barren woman. She was way past childbearing years. And yet still, God's promise came to pass. God said, I will bless you. And through your line, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the seashore or the stars of the heavens. And so it came to pass. The promised son came, Isaac. The promised son from a woman who was barren, past childbearing years. And she joins this great list of women throughout the Scriptures of miraculous births. But after these things, after this miraculous son comes, God tests Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. God put Abraham's faith to the test. And friends, I want to say this. Do not think that God won't test you. And when your testing comes, though it may seem unpleasant at the time, embrace it. Embrace it. It's his right and it's for your good. Going on to verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. Take your son. Your promised son you've been waiting for, who has now arrived. Your promised beloved son, whom you've raised in anticipation of the promises of God coming to pass through him. Take your beloved son to Mount Moriah. Now, where's Moriah at? Mount Moriah is in the region of Jerusalem. In fact, you'll see later that it's one of the peaks of the city of Jerusalem when it begins to grow in the days after the kingdom of David. We've got one peak of Zion, and the other peak is Mount Moriah. So in the region of Jerusalem, you take your son and make him a burnt or holocaust offering. Now, the burnt offering here comes from the Hebrew word hola, which means that which ascends. It's an ascension offering. It's to be cut and burned whole. Take your son a promise to Moriah and turn him into the sacrifice. Going on to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Wood is cut. A lengthy journey ensues. And notice this. What do we have here? Including Abraham, we have three men with Isaac. We've got a trinity of men with the son going to sacrifice him. Going on here to verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said 
to the young men. Abraham said to the young men that were with him, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Friends, it's day three. It took three days of journey to get to Mount Moriah. Three men with the son on day three. And notice Abraham is confident that he and his only begotten son will go and return again from the mountain. Verse 6, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. Now he's got the fire and the knife. I don't know what kind of fire he has. Maybe he's got a flint fire kit or maybe as the ancients did, he's got a leather sack in which he's carrying embers. He's got a knife with him. He's got a knife with him. He's going up on the mountain with the knife and the fire. The father and the son go up on the mountain together on day three. The son carries the wood as the son will one day carry a wooden cross. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, and where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. The father and the son go together on day three to the place of sacrifice, even as our heavenly father and son will go together to the place of sacrifice. Verse nine, when they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now the text indicates Isaac willingly trusted and obeyed his father in what must have seemed a distressing situation. Now some of you kids here, maybe you've had Sunday school, maybe you adults have had this, and you've got this flanagram picture of a little Isaac. You know, he's five years old, he's being laid on the altar. But if you look at the chronology, we see that Isaac's probably a teenager of some sort, He's probably gone through his growth spurt. He's probably looks like a man at this point in time. And yet the old man Abraham, who's an old man, ties him up and puts him down on the sacrifice. Ties him up and puts him down on top of the wood. And the son willingly goes. The son willingly goes. And what do we have here? We have an altar. We have wood. We have a bound human sacrifice. Verse 10 then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now there's no indication in the text that the son resists his father, but he willingly submits to his will. The angel of the Lord calls to Abraham and he calls him by name on day three. Now the angel of the Lord, this is an interesting motif. You'll see the angel of the Lord many times in the Old Testament, and oftentimes when you see the angel of the Lord doing something, interacting with people over a series of events, they find that in reality the angel of the Lord is God, and they think they're going to die because they've seen the Lord. The angel of the Lord oftentimes is a theophany, that is an appearance of God in the Old Testament. We see here that it's a theophany perhaps, and if that's so, it's likely a Christophany. The second person of the triune God is the one that interacts with people in this way, test-driving humanity in anticipation of the day when He will take on human flesh forever. He calls out, and Abraham answers, Here I am, in the same way that Moses does 
at the burning bush. Here I am in the same way that the boy Samuel does in the tabernacle when God calls out. Verse 12, he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, in order to figure out what's going on in Abraham's mind, have you ever wondered, what was he thinking? Have you ever wondered what was going on not only in Abraham's mind, but what he was anticipating was supposed to happen and what would happen? Well, you've got to know Scripture to do that. Kids, you need to know the Bible. If you want to know what the Bible is saying in one place, don't just pick out one verse and go, okay, I'm going to build everything around this. You need to look at the fullness of the Word of God. Oftentimes you'll read something, a story in one part of the Bible, and then later you'll see the interpretation of it. The understanding is given as that thing is fulfilled. Or maybe there's a statement made someplace else that gives light to the text. Know the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, we're told this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was in the act of offering his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham trusted God. And this is on a long trajectory of Abraham, the man of faith. God says, go to a land you've never been to. A land which you probably know little about. Go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham went. And then Abraham comes into the land and he's given the promise of the son who will come and he believes God. He believes God and it comes to pass. He comes and takes his son here, Isaac, up upon the mountain and he trusts God knowing that God can raise him from the dead. And friends, maybe as you're reading this text, you've wondered, would God do that to me? Would God ask me to give up my child in this way? And the answer is no, because it was pointing forward to the day when the Heavenly Father would actually offer up His perfect, sinless Son as the final sacrifice on a mount, a mount associated with Zion and Moriah, Golgotha, or Calvary. Calvary, which comes from the Latin for skull. Golgotha. David took Goliath's head. He took it to Jerusalem. And then we're told it's not there anymore in his possession. I believe he buried it in the ground there. Perhaps it was actually on Mount Moriah itself, just outside the boundaries of the temple. And there we've got this skull buried in the ground, which becomes Golgotha, which translates out Goliath of Gath, which becomes Calvary in Latin, the place of the skull associated with the mountain of God. He will raise him up from the dead on the third day because day three sets us free. Can I hear an amen to that? I know we got July 4th coming this week. Everybody looks super sleepy today. Verse 14. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount, the Lord shall be of the Lord it shall be provided. Isn't that interesting? Think about this for a minute. So we've got this place here. And we'll look at the significance of this place in a minute, but it's in the region of Jerusalem. And we see here back in the book of Genesis, in the law of God, 
which was likely compiled by Moses from all these other extant copies of various uh, accounts of things. And here we've got Abraham going up on the mountain and God provides and it's called the Lord will provide as it said to this day, likely in the days of Moses on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. When Jesus comes, people should have known that they're at the place where Jesus would be offered up. It would have been said long ago, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The Lord provides. Let's draw the strands together. Let's take all the pieces and fragments of our story and let's pull them together here. Look at the place. It's Mount Moriah. It's Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. What's up with Mount Moriah? Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to David his father at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Mount Moriah. David was not to build the temple because he was a man of warfare and blood. It was set aside to build the house of God for Solomon. Shlomo, at the middle of that is Shalom in his name. He is the Prince of Peace. He will build the temple, the house of God, on Mount Moriah. The action, the Father's only begotten Son of promise, is sacrificed on a mountain. I believe at the end of the day, the Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed on that same place. Jerusalem has at its center Mount Zion and Mount Moriah, and somewhere around there is this little hillock, Golgotha, Mount Calvary. I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually right there on Mount Moriah. The time... Day three, when Isaac is delivered and resurrected from the dead by the ram, by the ram. I remember my Old Testament professor when I was in seminary saying, of this particular story, the focus oftentimes is on Isaac, and indeed he is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we forget that Jesus is exemplified in its purest form here in the ram. The ram provided. The ram gave up its life in place of the Son. On day three, the only begotten Son will victoriously rise from the dead, fulfilling all the types and shadows, fulfilling the temple, fulfilling the lambs, fulfilling the rams, fulfilling the motif of the only Son, fulfilling all the motifs of all the sacrifices. He is the substitute ram in the thicket that sets us free because day three sets us free. In ancient Assyria, when a bad omen like an eclipse portended disaster, the king was replaced by a substitute king. After he was selected, he was dressed in the king's clothing, declared to be the king, and given a queen, while the real king withdrew from public until the danger had passed. Once the dangerous time had passed, the substitute king and queen were killed, and the true king Reemerged, having been set free and the ritual was complete. The ram on day three on Mount Moriah was provided as a substitute that set free and was pointing forward to the final substitute. But unlike the substitute king who was sacrificed by the Assyrians, King Jesus came as the substitute for the broken down, dethroned King Adam and his crushed and fallen sons and daughters. 
a race of former royals enslaved to the devil, sin, and death. But in Jesus, our great substitute, we have all things restored and joyfully await our final full glory on the final day of this age. We've learned this morning in the book of Genesis that day three sets us free. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd bless us in the understanding that day three sets us free. Help us to rejoice in the fact that we've been set free in the final sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, our ram in the thicket. Bless us this week to preach the gospel and to live the gospel before those around us and to invite them into the body of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.